You should have heard me yesterday morning when I had to re-export Knights of Rainsboro. <laughs> oh, fuck, I was pissed. I bet there's lots of swearing. I downloaded it, I'm like, where the shit is? I'm like, because uh, Thistledown John was telling us it was wrong. I'm like, well, I had it on iTunes. It was fine. No. But you know what You know what happened? I was at work. I'm like, well, fuck it. I have the raw one here in the... <laughs> just the wrong one. Like, oh, we cut out all of John's fapping about Dragon Age 2. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, I, I wake up to a text from, from Paul going, hey, I, I think there's a problem with the editing. And I thought he was, like, being critical. Like, I don't like the way you edited the show. And so I'm about to respond with, fuck you. <laughs> 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 and and then he follows before I can send that he sends sends a note saying uh, I think there's like you know 20 minutes missing and I'm like oh and so you know I, I pulled the file thinking that you know Paul's an idiot and sure enough I'm like no it's supposed to be like 127 minutes and it's only like 44 or something so anyway I, I think I know what happened I was editing very late and my auto uh, disk scan popped up you know for a virus scan and I think that's when it was when it was exporting as a wave that my McAfee popped up. So I think that that's where the problem came from. Stupid virus came. This is Andrew. Woo! I feel I feel like Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Robin. I'm not Nightwing, but I'm Red Robin. You know what that makes you, Andrew? Uh, Damien Wayne. There you go. <laughs> well, Tim, you look good in the green short pants. Uh, no, he I does. don't. But I appreciate <laughs> you saying so. <laughs> I see you out there on the rooftops, going, "Hey." These are riding up on me. <laughs> yeah. Swing around, making out with cat ladies. I know how I operate. Mm. <laughs> or maybe just sitting in front of my PlayStation all day in 90-degree weather. You One or what? the other, you pick. You know what my Robin costume and a Super 8 motel have in common? No ballroom, Batman. Ha! No ballroom. <sighs> nice. <laughs> Those are the conversations you'd be having with Batman swinging around Gotham. <laughs> I'd be looking at my comic book going, what the? Who, who's, who writes this shit? <laughs> when did Robin get a pole knife? <laughs> Douchebag. Well, and, and that's the question I have for you, Tim. Paul's missing this week. Oh, I hadn't put that together till right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but notice that I don't hear the the woeful cries of the Paul knife. Tim, did you did you have a take a flight this uh, a road trip this week? Well, let me tell you, it's on my itinerary after Paul decided to uh, grace us with some news this this week. Fucking Paul, always wants to keep us informed. I read the lists, blah blah blah. I pay attention to other comic book 
sites besides Ideology of Madness because I'm a hipster comic book reader. <laughs> wow, it was like Paul was you. right I'm there. Gonna, I'm going to stab him in his informed mouth here, and I swear to Christ. <laughs> it, was like, it was like having Paul on. I mean, wow. If only Wayne was here to ignore me. <laughs> so uh, DC had a little bit of news this week. Oh, a Jesus. little bit of news. A little bit of news and an otherwise slow news week, right? And if by little bit, little bit you mean earth shattering, yeah, yes, yeah, a little bit. No, it was it was ridiculous this week. They packed about a, a month and a half's worth of worth of news into one crazy week. Do you think it's because everyone's getting out of college and school right now, and they just want to catch everybody before they stop t- tuning into the interwebs? You know, See. I don't know if it's that, or maybe if it's like it's like a big convention season, and I just don't know because I don't really pay attention that much. But no. yeah, it's freaking stupid. Well, DC says they're going to reboot so, everything. Yeah, everything. And so, like in the month of September, you're going to get 52. fifty-two first issues. That is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a. I mean, I, on the one hand, I'm, I'm a. I'm interested in the reboot. On the, the other hand, I'm I'm disgusted by the reboot. And 52 first issues just sounds crazy. Here's my issue with the reboot. I, I, I would actually be fine with the reboot if they had worked up to this over a year to wrap up a lot of the storylines. Um, you know, if this is genuinely a this is brand new going forward, this is the way things are in the DC universe. Goodbye to your old to your old costumes and capes. I'd be absolutely groovy with that. But uh, Superman has been pretty much absent from the DC universe. We haven't really seen a progression in his relationship with Lois Lane since the 90s. I'm just kind of I'm ready for. I'd like to see some resolution to that story. I'd like to see, you know that story grow, but it looks like they're going to reset Superman back to a younger age, which I assume means that he's not going to be married. You'll have single Superman, you know, kind of like you've got a single Spider-Man in the Marvel universe so that they can tell those, you know, wild Superman's dating stories. So that's kind of my issue is that I just don't think there's been a resolution to a story that we've had in play for over 20 years. You know what I think? (laughs) I think this is lazy as hell. That's what I think. Listen, I I understand if sales are, are are slow, and they want to bring in new reader readers by resetting and getting rid of some continuity and all that. But speaking as somebody who's actually bought their comic books, you know, an actual paying goddamn customer now, <laughs> um, there's like two or three things that I really like about DC. Two and a half, we'll say. New Wonder Woman, which they've already said they're gonna <laughs> on that. So okay, great, thanks. Uh, number two, uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, Damian Wayne, Robin. And they haven't said for sure, but my guess is if they're going to reset there, it's going to be Bruce. And it's I don't know if it's going to be Damian. But either way, breaks up that dynamic on my other comic book that I like. And I half like Red Robin, um, just basically because it's been kind of crummy lately. Uh, although this last one was really good, and I thought uh, Fabian Chazesco was going to get back on the rails. Um, but he's apparently leaving to write Teen Titans, which, yeah, that's what I want to read is a reset Teen Titans book with Raven, Beast Boy, and Dick Grayson, and friggin' Jericho, and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
I just I feel like it's lazy. You if you want your comics to sell more, maybe you should write stories that actually you know make a damn bit of difference. If you're worried about uh, having to stay within the lines of continuity, maybe the the editorial ship should like loosen the reins on some things and let people make lasting changes. Oh my God, lasting changes in comic books. And everybody is so goddamn excited about this on the internet, Aaron and Andrew. I'm, I, I want to. I'm just so mad. I don't understand why people are so happy about this. It seems lazy to me. If you want more, if you want more readers, write better stories. Make well, lasting I think, changes. I think people are really excited because it's a, it's a party, right? Everybody's like, oh my god, it's gonna be great. But then when the actually party gets here, I think reality will set in. They're gonna be like, oh, this sucks. I think that it could. There, I think there are elements to it that could be fun and exciting, particularly with, with you know heroes that maybe we're not quite so satisfied with. But I go back to my Superman argument. You know, I, I love Superman. I love Clark Kent. I love his backstory. The only thing that I've not loved about his character is there's really been no big progression in 20 years. You know, he. The, I think the last big change on Superman was when he married Lois. And you've never really seen that relationship move forward. And that's my complaint. I mean, I, I, I am aching for a good Superman story. Wayne and I talk about this all the time. But there's not been a good Superman story except in an Elseworlds book for years. And, you know, we, 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 we move our, our one of our favorite writers, J. Michael Straczynski, over to the title, and he writes a crappy Superman story. So their idea is, well, let's just completely change the character, and then we can give you a good Superman story. I think the way you give us a good Superman story is have the guts to tell real stories and make lasting changes, like Tim says. You know, I we we talked about um, you know what if we were writing Superman many episodes ago, and I would love to see the story where Superman and Lois have a kid. You know, and maybe it's not even a biological kid. Maybe they adopt a kid, and you know, Superman has to juggle the well. I've got to go fight this this crime, but I don't have anybody to watch the boy tonight. So he's got to take this you know non powered boy with him. <laughs> you know, set him on the roof while he goes and fights Metallo or something. Aaron, you know, that seems dangerously irresponsible. <laughs> I think DFS would be visiting him if that happened. <laughs> Well, you know, or or have, if you want Superman single, have him and Lois get a divorce and have him deal with that. Well, like, and have him deal with like the new guy, which you could just see him like through his X-ray vision because he's a little creepy watching, and he'd be like, you know, I could crush that little asshole with just a sneeze, but I can't because I'm a good guy, and it just and he's gonna go bang my ex-wife. And, yeah. Oh my god. And you really wouldn't have to make too big of a change in the ongoing story to make that believable because of his yep. stupid walkabout he's had for the last right. year. You know? He's given her plenty of grounds to file for divorce. Yeah, and it's not an I don't like you. It's just this isn't the marriage that I want. You know, done. I mean, Wayne, we see divorces like that all the time. Wayne would be so excited if that happened. That story would set Wayne off. Because how many months has he been complaining about deadbeat Superman? He he is a dead he is a deadbeat husband. Yep. I I would absolutely love to see an honest progression of that relationship. And that has been my frustration on Superman for a good long time. Um, I, I'm not a huge Batman fan, but I know Paul is, and I know Paul's actually kind of happy with where the Batman title is right now, you know? So it seems to me that while this may open the doors to draw in new readership, I don't think it does much to reward folks who've got an investment 
in that ongoing continuity. So, I mean, there, there's two sides to what you just said, though. There's it, it doesn't reward people who have been reading, but they're not trying to – with this, I don't think, is aimed at people who are already reading. This is a yeah, part no, of I, their I, effort to draw in new, new blood. And, and if it somewhat just uh, you know, kind of looks aside to the people who have been reading, I don't think they care. Yeah. Well, and I, mean, I do think that, that one of the things that they do that, that really opens the doors for new readership is day and date. You know, they're, they're in this reboot. They're going to release the digital issue on the exact same day as the print issue. Which I am actually very, very excited about. Yeah, I am sure that upsets uh, retailers to no end. I can only imagine what my retailer is going to say to me this week when I talk to him about it because he is – he is uh, – uh, rather digital comics opposed, and you know I can understand his, his job is, is selling you know you know floppies, but I, I think that this is the way to go. And uh, I love that there is an additional price if you want to buy both the floppy and the digital copy for four ninety nine. They'll sell you both, as opposed to you spending two ninety nine on the issue and a buck ninety nine on the digital copy. Now, I do think their digital price point is still wrong. I think buck ninety nine is too expensive for a digital copy, but I, I think this is a step in the right direction, and I think it's a ballsy move on the part of DC. Yeah, I think they should get a lot of kudos for it because now when I go in and let's say some really popular comic book is not on the shelf five after five hours after El Camino opens, uh-huh. I now have an alternative to where I can actually just go buy it and download it, read it. Yeah. No, 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 no. F, F your digital comic books. You're screwing up the three comic books I like in the DC universe. I hate your faces. I, I feel like they're throwing out the whole bushel of apples for like three or four titles that they are, that aren't where they want them to be. Like, I mean, Andrew and I have been reading Green Lantern, and I think you know, although it's a lot of money, and our complaint is we'd like it departmentalized. All three of those books has been fairly decent, I think. You know, we like where I like where Wonder Woman is. I love where Wonder Woman is. I like where the Batman universe is. Yeah. You know, and we just mentioned four of their like their three of their five big titles. Well, and let me make another complaint. Now, I don't yeah, I, as the a listener, you know, uh, tuning into our show for the first time. I don't want pe- folks to think that we're just all about shitting on DC's big ideas. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I want you to take a note. I am. I <laughs> Hey, but, you you were a big fan of their big idea to reboot uh, Wonder Woman with this JMS run. Uh, oh, gotcha. I think, actually, I think I said I don't read Wonder Woman, so I probably don't care. Well, and, and that's exactly where I was going, Andrew, because you know when we rebooted Wonder Woman, we took off Gail Simone off of that title. And Gail Simone had a very loyal following on that title. Uh, the book had solid numbers. Wasn't a top ten book, but had solid numbers. Um, we're doing the exact same thing, thing again. We're taking her off of Secret Six, which has been all Gail Simone all the time. And uh, again, very strong core audience and taking her off of that for Secret Six. And, and aren't they also taking her off of Birds of Prey? Yup. Yeah. Yeah. I just – it just you know, I, I hate that. Now, I haven't been reading Birds of Prey because I didn't like this volume of it, but but I really enjoy Secret Six. Rarely talk about it on the show because I pick it up and trade, but uh, I, I absolutely love her work on Secret Six, and I just I hate that it's gonna you know bump that out. So I, here here's my question. You know, DC is saying that this is a firm reboot, um, a, a restart. You know, telling the stories of these characters when they're younger. You guys think it's going to stick? 
I think if it does well financially, it'll stick. I think if it fails horribly financially, they will reverse course uh, amazingly fast. Yeah. That that seems like the, that seems like the correct answer because it's about the cash. Yeah. Which yeah. is fine. It's a business. Yeah. Well, whenever I see people restart a series with a number one, it, to me, that I instantly think it's just about money. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know, first issues, that's always got, got folks going, and they always return to original numbering when you get to a landmark number. And they're doing 52 in one month. Yeah. It seems like a bit of fatigue for one month, 52 times. You think they should space that out maybe over two months, maybe do 26 and 26? You would think, because I can't see – I buy a lot of comics – I don't buy that many comics. I mean, you're talking about roughly $156. Yeah. That's an ass load of comics. For and that's sure. if they're all $299. Yeah. You yeah. know, because while DC may say they're holding the line at $299, I can't help but noticing that there's a lot of not $299 books on the DC shelves these days. Well, I'm really interested in, you know, because Jeff Johns was interviewed about it, and he was talking about how a lot of the big things that have happened in the Green Lantern books are going to be carried forward into the reboot. I'm, I'm like Blackest Night and yeah. Brightest Day. I'm very curious to see how they're going to pull that off. Yeah, how they're going to, you know, because there's so much of the uh, of the uh, continuity that rolls in to I mean, just what, what built up to Blackest Night. You had years of story that built up to Blackest Night. You know how they're going to pull it off? Badly and through fabrication. That's yeah. how they're going to pull this fucking off. Yeah, and this is where I, I think that, that Marvel does it a little bit better than DC. Because, you know, Marvel doesn't reboot their universe. You know, what they did when they decided that they wanted a fresh start is they just went and created another universe and told stories in that universe. You know, they right. created the ultimate universe, and then they've got their, you know, young reader universe and whatnot. Um I, I really kind of prefer that because, you know, so much of what I enjoy about Marvel is that rich background and continuity in their characters. And I know we all fuss about, you know, how can this happen this month while you've got this happening this month with that same character over in another book? How can Wolverine be in 12 places all at the same time? You know, but there's that rich backstory. And we're seeing so much of that in Amazing Spider-Man right now, for instance. I hate that we're going to lose that. I think one of the things that DC really has going for it is more than 70 years of continuity, you know? And I know that so many people feel like that, that, you know, ties their arms and how can we make these iconic characters fresh for a new readership? But I, I, I think that this is, this is the easy way to go in for the, for the buck versus, you know, really thinking of something, you know, fresh and having that new idea. Yeah, I know, but I, I I know it wasn't surprised for me to take that that side. I get that, but <laughs> I, I feel like there's there's better answers to improving sales. Yeah, I agree. And throwing on an issue one, and granted, they are changing a lot. They're changing almost all these creative teams, which is is a, is a way to uh, increase sales. But I just like I said, I feel like they're throwing out everything with the bathwater. Yeah, and that I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that was necessary. But you know, Tim, that wasn't our only bit of news this week. No, it wasn't. There was also a little, a uh, little bit of news out there about uh, Valiant. Yep, it looks like Valiant is on its way to making a comeback. Now, granted, I know most people have said, "Yeah, we've heard that before." Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, this actually looks like it might happen this time. 
Yeah, this, this looks a little more uh, legit. Yeah, I guess is, is the way they're saying it, um, because apparently they had they were dealing with some uh, some copyright issues. Yeah, some arguments they, about who owned what. Right. Yeah. And it looks like some of that stuff's been ironed out. Yeah. Well, and they've got uh, Peter Cuneo, who uh, you know he's the managing principal of Cuneo and Company, and they're uh, they are uh, you know at the helm of Valiant Entertainment at this time. Um, and you may recall him as uh, uh, ten years in leadership at Marvel Entertainment, which achieved, and I'm quoting from the uh, press release here, which achieved one of the most extraordinary turnarounds in entertainment history during that period. His tenure with Marvel concluded with Marvel's sale at the end of 2009 to the Walt Disney Company for over four a billion dollars. Well, that was well, billion with a B, right? Yeah, billion with a B. That's some, you know, that's, when you when you're spearheading a sale that nets you that many digits, yeah, that, that, yeah, you win. Yeah. Now I yeah, have to. Good on you. I, I I was reading comics when uh, Valiant was when Valiant was around, you know, and you know their big characters, of course, are Exo Man of War, Bloodshot, Harbinger, Shadow Man, Ninjack. Um, I have to say, never really been a fan of any of those books. Well, and I've never even read any Valiant books, so I'm curious why I should be interested in this news. Yeah, I as well am not really well equipped to talk about how that <laughs> Valiant comic system since I never bought one either. So this is going to be less than a uh, 100% journalistic integrity review. Well, but you know what? Now that we're all on a comics podcast, when they relaunch Valiant, I have a feeling we'll be reading at least a couple issues of it. Well, and, and I've read their, I've read Valiant books. Like in particular, I've read Exo Man of War, um, and I think a couple of issues of Harbinger. And they weren't ever books that I really connected with. But I remember, you know, like Bob Layton was writing and drawing. I think Exo Man of War, um, and those books, you know, back in the '90s were pretty big. But of course, a lot of books were really big back in the '90s. So I'm curious with it. Having you know almost twenty years removed, uh, how successful a launch it's going to have. But they did say in the press release that they're already working on television and uh, movie deals relating to these characters. Really? Yeah. But you know, I, I, I temper that with the comment that you remember when we were talking about the relaunch of Atlas Comics several months ago, and you know their, their character, the Phoenix, and whatnot. Yeah, they yeah, too we were, were working on, on media deals, and I can't imagine that anybody out in the world is is all excited about uh, you know Atlas <laughs> coming out with a Phoenix movie or television show because you know the, I read that comic and it was balls. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm eager to see that Valiant's coming back in because I do think that they are. Unlike Atlas, they're a real player. You know, they do have some properties that that some uh, of the older comic book readers are going to be interested in. But I think part of the problem is, as you come in with these books that, like I say, are you know close to twenty years old, I'm not sure that attracts your newer readers. You know, I'm not sure that that gets you a big enough foothold and brings in the blood. I mean, we can't keep fighting over the same one hundred thousand uh, comic book readers out there in the market. You've got to bring new people in because you know the, the the market's just not big enough to support all the business that we're wanting it to have. So. Well, it's it's a little surprising that less people are getting drawn in with with the huge popular popularity of the uh, superhero movies these days. You'd think more casual people would be picking up comics. Well, and I think that as as uh 
as as you know, digital comics become more and more prevalent, I think that'll happen. I mean, I was I went to go see X Men First Class yesterday, and looking around the movie theater, I saw people reading comics on their iPhones and you know on their iPads and whatnot, waiting for the movie to start. So what you're saying is you don't think the standard viewer of movies wants to go into the skeevy local uh, comic book shop? You know, I I think I've got a skewed view of it because I've been shopping at comic book stores for so long. But I think most people don't want to have to make that special special trip. You know, I think they'd rather go to, you know, a regular brick and mortar bookstore, you know, and buy comics. I'm going to I'm just I'm not going to get into the whole argument, but I'm just going to say this e ebooks iBooks, uh, just get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, and turn down your loud rock and roll music. <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, you know, Aaron, I also saw X-Men First Class yesterday. What did you think about it? You know, I went in with very low expectations, um, mainly because I disliked the last X-Men movie so much, and I really hadn't been impressed by the previews that I had seen. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't a great movie. It certainly wasn't anywhere in the Thor category of superhero films. But as far as a popcorn movie goes, I thought it was very enjoyable and it was worth my, my matinee ticket. Yeah, it certainly did not suck, which yeah. is kind of what I was afraid it was going to be. Yeah, but no, no I, I, thought... I feared I was going to walk out of it going, OK, there's, you know, two hours of my life I won't get back. But right. no, I, I was time well spent, I thought. It was like X-Men crossed with Austin Powers and it was it was fairly funny. You know, and, and I, I liked the choice of, of, of setting. You know, I enjoyed that let's tell a mutant movie in the 60s. You know, um, I there, there was a, a certain amount of, of kitsch to the movie. I, I dug it. I, 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 and I enjoyed James McAvoy in it. I thought he was really good as uh, Professor X. Yeah, I think that just the casting for the two main leads was, was very good. Because Michael Fassbender played uh, Magneto. And oh, my God. Yeah. Was he good? Yeah. Yeah, well, and I wasn't real sold when, you know, I knew that Kevin Bacon was going to be the villain of the movie. I'm like, really? You know, is, 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 is he going to be dancing? You know, is, is that is that his superpower? He's going to bring dancing to this, you know, small community of uh, Connecticut where, where the mutants <laughs> are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, him playing the, uh, the, the, the big Nazi bad guy geneticist, uh, I thought worked well. I, he is not who I picture when I think of Sebastian Shaw. No, you know, so that was a, that was a little bit of a disconnect for me. Um, and I also have to say, um, Emma Frost, the White Queen in the movie, wasn't pretty enough. Well, she she seemed pretty enough, but you know, such like smiled once in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. very cold, and well, I guess maybe that's maybe that's how she was getting her direction because you know Emma Frost, right, made out of diamond, but she's right. very cold, very immobile, very. Uh, uh, unemotional, yeah. uh, very flat affect. Yeah, and uh, that that was kind of weak. But I did, like I said, I liked I liked Charles McAvoy. I liked uh, 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 shoot, my my head just kind of went up. Michael Fassbender. I felt yeah. like Rose Byrne was a perfect Moira McTaggart. Uh, Rose Byrne is having a good summer. Yeah, you she know was she great was in Bridesmaids. Yeah, she was terrific in Bridesmaids, and I thought she was very good in this as Moira McTaggart. Now I don't care for what they did with the Moira McTaggart character. You know, yeah, in yeah. that, you know, she's a CIA agent instead of a scientist. But, yeah, whatever. I'll let that go. Well, do uh, we know what she started as? I mean, I always knew she was a geneticist in modern day X-Men. Do we know? She came she... out of the womb as a geneticist. Come on. <laughs> because, Come on. you know, does that make sense? In, but does that make sense? Continuity. She's obviously leaving the CIA. 
Well, but also not Scottish. <laughs> Very That's, good point. Yeah. And and she's kind of Scottish in the in the book. But I'm I'm willing to let that go because I thought Rose Byrne did a really good job with the character provided to her. Well, um, I thought every time uh, Kevin Bacon was on the screen, it just felt like he was just in his own head, was just kind of chuckling. Like he, he just seemed like he was having a lot of fun. Yeah, he did. He did. Now, and and the scene, I mean, the, I was surprised with how dark some of the movie went. You know, like the the scene where he's you know talking to the teenage Magneto and trying to you know convince him to using his powers, and you know just basically spoiler on, guns down Magneto's mom right in front of him. You know, to, to to see if his rage will spark his magnetic powers. And hey, he 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 got results. Well, he did, but you know, <laughs> you're sitting there kind of chuckling because it's just so freaking dark. And at the same time, I'm like, they're they're really going to go there. All right then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm in for this. Um, I thought it was really. A, I, I thought there were parts of it that were really well done, and. I did have one part that was just so spectacularly unbelievable. If my uh, my friend that that moved in with me when I was a very small child was Mystique, yeah, yeah, I'd have been hitting that early on. I never would have been Charles <laughs> Xavier going, "Oh no, I could never think of you that way." <laughs> no, I, I I would have been thinking about her that way immediately. <laughs> in your telepath, yeah, mm. yeah, um, I. There are some terrific moments in the movie where they're going out around recruiting mutants for their team. And when they walk yeah. in on Hugh Jackman, that was great. I thought that was hysterical. Uh, <laughs> that was hysterical. And then there's this other moment in the movie where, you know, Mystique, the young teenage Mystique, throws herself at Magneto. And he's like, well, maybe when you're older. And so she shape changes into Rebecca Romaine Stamus. <laughs> I thought – I mean I, the movie, again, it surpassed my expectations and was very amusing uh, at times. And it had a nice sense of humor. had a nice sense of humor. Yeah, it, it it's worth a matinee price certainly. Yeah. Beat the shit out of X-Men 3. Not oh, as yeah. good as X-Men 2. Beat the shit out of X-Men 3. I liked X-Men 3. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, we have to shun you now, Tim. It's apparently it's apparently the non-tread viewpoint if you're a dork, but I liked it. Sorry. Well, I mean, I think, I think most people agree. I don't have the highest bar for enjoying things. I have a pretty low threshold for the stuff I like. But even I, man, I was X three was was rough. I I did not enjoy it. Yeah. I, I loved Kelsey Grammer Beast. I don't care. Oh, I, I thought Kelsey Grammer was a good cast for that character. I just think he was, yeah. was poorly used in the movie. It got I, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, we won't go into that because this isn't, you know, funny books from two years ago. But <laughs> but if it was, if it was, yeah. I, again, I would have the contrarian view. <sighs> Whatever. Well, I'd like to sing the praises of Barnes and Noble for just a minute because it was about a week ago. I'd gone in for something else, and uh, they, uh, I was walking past the science fiction, you know, fantasy section, and there was a rack of about twelve floppies from DC. And there wasn't anything special about it. I, and I don't know if we're part of this pilot or not, but there, it was it was twelve floppy, so I stopped, of course, because comics. And they had Flashpoint number one there, and they had Booster Gold forty four. And I remember how much you guys uh, enjoyed them. Paul and and Wayne in particular loved Flashpoint one, so I went and picked them up. And if it hadn't been for Barnes and Noble, I would not have picked up Flashpoint number two this week, which would have been a crime because that was a great book. It was good. 
I uh, I enjoyed uh, Flashpoint number two. And, you know, to tag on to our earlier discussion, I think that's how you get new readers into comics is by selling floppies outside of the comic book shop. You know, sell them at the Barnes & Noble. Sell them at the drugstore, for God's sake. Uh, grocery store. Yeah. Anywhere people are, anywhere kids are, is where you ought to be selling them. You need to have some guy in a trench coat hanging out by the school <laughs> playground. Hey, hey, kid. Want to buy a comic? Aaron, drug dealers are already doing that. <laughs> and look at how successful they've been. <laughs> we need to build on their success. That's horrible. That's all I'm saying, Andrew. So, but, Flashpoint yeah. number two. Oh, I love this book. Tell me what you liked about it. Now, you read Flashpoint number one? I, I did. I, the thing is, I read them all within about four days of each other. I okay. read the two Flashpoints plus the one Booster Gold. And, uh, well, to kind of pick up, it picked up where the last one stopped with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flashes in this uh, changed history of, of Earth where mm-hmm. up is down, left is right, cats and dogs are lying down together. Right. And he decides that the way he's going to figure this out is he's going to go go find uh, Batman. And, of course, Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. It's his dad, Thomas Wayne. Right. Thomas Wayne is not what you call a trusting type of guy. Uh, in fact, he breaks uh, uh, Barry Allen's uh, finger just to see if he's telling the truth, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I think you're lying to me. Are you lying to me? I'm going to break your finger if you're lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he didn't even really say, I'm going to break your finger if you're lying to me. It's just, hey, what are you doing? Hey! And then he breaks his finger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that guy is brutal. Yeah. Of course, you know, in the first issue, he's throwing he, – he apparently has a reputation of throwing criminals to their death off of a tower. So oh. that's kind of his move. It's a, it's effective. Right. So yeah. basically the, the two of them get together, and uh, finally Thomas Wayne believes Barry and the Flash. Yeah. And, and, and Barry Allen's genius ideas well i gotta get my super speed for whatever reason in this reality i don't have my super speed i need it back so he gets thomas wayne to set him up into an electrical chair coat him in volatile chemicals and then wait for lightning to strike Uh 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 because what could possibly go wrong what could possibly go wrong except that you know (laughs) he seems to have electrocuted himself and burned his body all up Spoiler alert! You know, I I feel like that that's the right move is to take a take a page out of the Doc Brown playbook. <laughs> well, the final scene the final scene is Barry Allen's burnt body laying there on the ground, unmoving. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty groovy scene. It's it's not Barry Allen playing Johnny B. Good in front of the in front of the local sock hop. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No. Yeah. Well, I'll be See, disappointed. I'll tell you right now. Next week I'll be dis- if he if, in, in Flashpoint three if he gets back up I'm gonna be very disappointed I I hope he is dead I think you're gonna be disappointed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hated that I hate when they tease the oh they're dead oh no he's fine no well, I, I won't be dead I I just like that uh, you know he didn't emerge from the experience as the Flash he just emerged from the experience as Flash fried. <laughs> I mean, he's burned good. I mean, he's going to need some salve and a little balm on that. <laughs> but he's yeah. got that sports almanac, so he should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so- just don't just don't call Barry Allen chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also get to see uh, some glimpses of uh, I think our first glimpses of Aquaman and Wonder Woman yes. in this one too. Yeah, you know, uh, this book is really, you know, geared to bringing other characters, you know, into Barry Allen's understanding 
And so, you know, he spends the entire issue trying to convince Batman. And of course, you know, the Batman of the Flashpoint world, it, as you said, is Dr. Thomas Wayne. And instead of, you know, Bruce surviving, it was, you know, Dr. Wayne surviving and his uh, wife also dying. So he convinces Dr. Wayne by saying, well, you know, I know Bruce. Bruce is alive in my world. I noticed he didn't ask about his wife, though. That seemed, that seemed kind of telling to me. Maybe they were having some marital problems. Just saying. You know what? I thought, I thought maybe he – I'm looking back. I thought he had mentioned that in his world it was him and his wife who died, I thought. But I could be wrong. Hey, and I have a question for you on, but, I don't know, page six-ish. Is that supposed to be Black Manta standing behind Aquaman? Page six-ish. Yeah, what's the first one you see Aquaman standing there with his big ass trident? Oh, I don't know who that guy is standing by with the big fin mask. He's got that manta on his uh, manta ray on his chest. So maybe it is. Maybe it's a different black manta. And he calls him Ocean Master, but yeah, you know, I don't know him. It's the ghost of Steve Irwin. I don't know that guy, but I do love that uh, Deathstroke the Terminator is a pirate. (laughs) With that uh, eye patch he has, you know. And Clay faces his first mate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was like, oh, I could get into, you know, pirate Deathstroke, but, you know, we didn't get to see him for very long before Aquaman kills him because, you know, that's just the way Aquaman is. So anyway, Flashpoint, uh, you know, Flashpoint number two, strong book. Um, I picked up several Flashpoint tie ins. Um, I picked up uh, the world of Flashpoint number one, which uh, documents the uh, flooding of Paris um, thought it was very interesting. Um, tells the story of uh, of uh, one of the magic users there, and I cannot for the life of me remember her name. Uh, so this awesome, awesome review provided by me. Zatanna? <laughs> uh, no, it's not Zatanna. It is uh, – Madam Sandu? No. Uh, both of whom are mentioned in the book, but it's not her. It's tr- her. The character's name is Tracy, but I can't remember her superhero name. Okay. Um, but I think she is a character in the regular DC universe who is a contemporary of like uh, the current Blue Beetle. And uh, uh, her mom and siblings get wiped out. She and her father survive. And it's just an interesting you know, uh, view of what's going on in the uh, European setting within the Flashpoint uh, universe. Anyway, um, very interesting. I'm, I'll, I'll probably pick up number two. It wasn't what I would call a um, a fantastic book, but it was interesting enough for me to tune into the second uh, issue. So I uh, recommend that. Now, the big winner out of the three books that I read was Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance. This is just a little bit more of the uh, Dr. Thomas Wayne Batman. And what I really like about him is he reminds me an awful lot of Frank Miller's uh, Batman from uh, Batman Returns and, you know, Batman Strikes Back, whatever, The Dark Knight Returns. Um, he's he's that older Batman. He's, you know, grim. He's gritty. He doesn't take any crap. He's not afraid to, you know, kill people. Really, really like that, that uh, kind of character. Um, in this book, he owns the casinos where the mob comes and does their business, and he does that so he can control the money that runs into organized crime, and he can keep a closer watch on them. Um, this is setting up a, a big uh, three-issue drama between him and the Joker. Um, the Joker has stolen the Harvey Dent twins, and uh, you know Batman's got to go do something about it. So anyway, I, I really like this you know very dark Batman that we have here. Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun to read. 
The book from Flashpoint that I really did not care for was Flashpoint Secret 7. Um, you know, it was lauded as a uh, book uh, penciled by George Perez. And I love George Perez, and absolutely the first 15 pages of this book are fantastic and beautiful. But then the remainder of the book is inked by – is penciled by another dude called um, Fernando Blanco and did not care for the layouts by Fernando Blanco. It's just a, a very stark shift um, in the uh, in, in the book. And it's hard for me to like this book because I'm not a big Shade the Changing Man fan, and uh, he's the central character in the book. So I, I'm probably not the best person to review it, but I will say that the art let me down in the book and that I wasn't particularly engaged in the story because I don't care much for the character. I won't be picking up the next issue. And that's my view of the three Flashpoint tie-ins I bought this week. And that was roughly three out of eight. Was that was that how many came out this yeah, week? Yeah, there were a lot this week, and and those were the those are the three I was interested in. So there so, you go. So you know, Wonder Woman doesn't have much time left to her, but in the time she does have left, Tim, do you want to tell us about Wonder Woman six eleven? Yeah, I I you know, I don't want to I don't want to soliloquy like Aaron because apparently Aaron practices soliloquying in the bathroom, <laughs> in the shower. There's other you things know, I so, do in there too. Yeah, so. you know, <laughs> you're not Paul. All good and natural. I'm not Paul. <laughs> um, uh, but what I will say is that um, you know, this is another another continuation of the Wonder Woman story where she's fighting these uh, God the goddesses of death trying to make her part of their trinity um there's a really cool scene where uh they give her this vision of her like just rampaging the dc universe with her and her amazon uh, army which is very much uh kind of kind of like a, a it's, it's not the same artwork as the the flashpoint wonder woman and i thought they kind of missed out because if they had done that that would have been pretty cool um but you know the 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 you know the big splash page is her putting a sword through uh, Superman's chest, which was hot. Um, mm. But uh, you know it's all part of part of this dream, and, and she rejects it. You know, um, but then you know in the end we're gonna see if she can handle this. Uh, what it, they they call it the the uh, you know the the song of death, and if she passes through that, apparently she can achieve uh, goddess of vengeance status which we're gonna see how she weasels out of that so uh solid book uh the cover did looked a little bit anime-esque and i was kind of worried but the the inside pencils were done by the same artist that has done the rest of this run so um i was i was happy with that so uh it was, it was definitely a, a solid book and um, despite my anger with DC, I'm going to continue getting uh, Wonder Woman till the end of this run because it's been a wonderful story, and I want to see uh, what we can do with it. How many more issues does she have left? Uh, well, this is 611. Next issue would be 612, which um, you know would be, be the full year. Would be the full year. Um, you know. Like I read the letters page. The letters page doesn't seem to lead into you know them having any idea that everything's going to get retconned. But uh, so I I would expect that 
they might they might have two or three more issues left in it. So. Well, well, I'm very sorry for your loss, Tim. I know you've really been enjoying Wonder Woman since uh, JMS hopped on, and then whoever took over for JMS. Yeah, and it's it's been a, it's been a good read, and you know I'll I'll thump the drum for people that want to pick it up and trade, but. I'm saddened to think that they're going to reset it, and I'm kind of worried that um, once they do reset, it's not going to have the same kind of feel. If, if uh, Hester stayed on, I, I, I might I might be convinced too, but I don't think that's the case. So, Do we know who is taking over for it? I didn't read that anywhere, other than okay. that the changes that JMS made aren't sticking. Although, we, like I said, we in, in some of the artwork we saw that... Um, he the the costume seems to have stayed uh, fairly similar to the new costume, which makes me happy. But so I don't know. We've got a couple more issues left of Good Wonder Woman, and I <laughs> I'm kind of conflicted as to whether to continue on after that. So we'll see. Groovy, groovy. I, I'm afraid, Aaron. Are you afraid? Yeah. Well, there's fear. nothing to fear, Tim. Nothing to fear. But fear itself. Oh, it hurt me. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I knew I was going to like issue three of Fear Itself. For <laughs> I, I knew I was going to, and I tell you why. Because you've got Ben Grimm on the cover with a great big meat tenderizer. I mean, yeah, he is ready to hammer the shit out of some skirt steak. That's what I'm there, saying. There's going to be a lot of meat on the barbecue tonight. <laughs> and by meat, I mean people who live on Yancey Street. Yeah, because, you know, this issue was the hammer that fell on Yancey Street. So um, a lot of good, a lot of things to like about this book, I thought. Like, for instance, Sin rips off Bucky Cap's arm, beats him with it. And then, you know, drives her uh, big hammer through his chest. What? Well, it looks it looks like there's now an opening for uh, a new Captain America. I wonder who's gonna I wonder who's gonna step into that role. Yeah, who who do you think might step into that role? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she killed him pretty hard in this book. Yeah, there's no unlike the Flash. There's definitely no coming back for Bucky Cap. Yeah, yeah. I would you think now? I I, I think uh, I, if we'll recap, uh, I think on Fear Itself issue two. You guys were somewhat negative, whereas I was still engaged. Yeah, and my negative, my ne- my nabob of negativity uh, was largely focused around that it was just a lot of cutscenes. It seemed um, right. There wasn't much development, as I remember, was your yeah, guys' main, yeah. main issue. And uh, you, you know, clearly have a a lower threshold on what you consider to be good. Which is why you liked it. I did and say that earlier in the episode, so I can't argue with you. So you did. You did set. You did set the. I did say that. I, I set. My, I set myself up for this. Great. So what'd you think this week? Well, uh, I did. I I think there was a good bit more of uh, of character development. I thought you guys would like it. Seems that sounds like you like it more. I'm sure if Wayne was here, I think he would tell us he likes it more. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he would tell you that it sucked. <laughs> Really? I think that I'm pretty sure that that's what Wayne might say, particularly since huh. I have a text from Wayne right here saying that all I have to say about the remaining book is that fear itself sucks. <laughs> wow. I believe that's way a to, quote. Way to break character. All right. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know, there's still a lot of action. This this book is still, if anything, it was still a little bit heavy on action for me. But I, And there are still a lot of cutscenes because 
you're jumping from from all these different hotspots around, and they do spend a lot of time with Odin and, and Thor doing their thing, and a lot of time with Sin and Captain America having their big fight and death scene. But uh, you know, I, I think back to uh, I, I don't remember what issue it was, but one month, several months ago, Marvel had that column, and they specifically said that they want to tell the complete story within the uh, the pages of the main book, mm-hmm. and we're three books in now, and I do not feel like I am getting the full story in the main book. I would agree. I think there's a lot of stuff going on in these uh, uh, side issues and one-offs and whatnot that have to do a lot with what's going on. I think we're just seeing quick glimpses of it through the main book. Like we're seeing Absorbing Man now has gotten his hammer, is busting up Dubai International. But you're not getting the full story. One panel of him busting things up. Well, don't delude yourself into thinking you're getting any kind of story in any of the tie-ins. Because as Thunderbolts 158 has proven, there there really is no tie-in. <laughs> so what, t- tell me about Thunderbolts 158. What what happened in it? Uh, it sucked. It's it sucked on toast, and um, I'm off Thunderbolts until they get rid of Fear itself. <laughs> so, um, I mean, did they just show Juggernaut going crazy? Did they have the team respond like, to it? Well, there's a there's a little bit of a response to the fact that the raft is is effed up, but that's about it. There's like maybe three pages of Juggernaut that we've already seen with him grabbing the hammer and losing his losing his gourd, and then there's about twelve pages of the team in the desert handling these zombies or whatever, and then the rest of it's dedicated to them dealing with the fact that the raft screwed up. But let's be honest, that's probably something that they weren't going to touch on in Fear itself anyway. So big double whoop de doo. Yeah. Um, and there's too many. There's 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 too many fish in the pond now with this like underbolts that have that have kind of conglomerated with the thunderbolts. Yeah, I completely agree. The book's gotten very crowded. Right. Like I I would be okay with maybe you know a new thunderbolt, but yeah, I don't like Mister Hyde or Captain Boomerang or that guy that flies with the dots in his head that thinks he's all intelligent. But they have the boomerang on the underbolts. Yeah, he's not the boomerang anymore. Okay. Call something stupid. <laughs> yeah, because Captain Boomerang would be such a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. See, I I would be Baron Frisbee. <laughs> Baron Von Frisbee. Baron Von Frisbee. Like, like, I would be totally cool if they were like they put Shocker and Troll on the on, on the Thunderbolt team itself, and maybe you know put Fixture on the sidelines and went with that team. I'd be okay with that. But you uh you a big fan of the Shocker team? <laughs> it was one of the cool moments in this book when he decided when he was the first one on the scene uh, trying to stop the criminals from leaving, and then they were like, "Well, what are you going to do about a shocker?" And then like the other fifty-seven underbolts and thunderbolts show up to back him up. <laughs> that was the one cool part of the book, but it's like I, I feel like when Jeff Parker has to. Div- divide his time into Marvel Universe crap versus what he wants to do with this book, everything suffers and nothing gets accomplished. And, I, I, you know, we, we saw that a little bit with um, what happened with Shadowland. Uh, the book the book suffered. There was a couple cool moments, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't the same kind of quality that we got for the four or five issue arc where he didn't have to worry about anybody else's book. So... Yeah. You know, well, I've got, this... I've got a little bit of bad news for you. 
Oh god damn it. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, I swear to god, if you're going to if you're going to play the part of Paul this week, I'm going to rename the knife, the Paul and Andrew knife. You might ha- go ahead and get the label maker out because uh uh Avengers Academy 15 is going to be tied into fear itself. <laughs> I knew that though, so we're sorry. We're, no, no, we're okay. I thought you were going to start talking about Jeff Parker leaving Thunderbolts or Thunderbolts oh. getting canceled, and then I was going to have to lose my lose my shit. But no, I don't okay. do that. I I don't do that much research. That that's All definitely right. a full thing. That, yeah. That's good. So uh, you know more more fear itself. Uh, fear the fact that you don't have any more money left. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> uh, why don't you talk to us about the deep number one? Well, before before I, I hop into the deep, I want to I want to transition into the deep by by bringing on by by addressing something in Fear Itself Book Three. Now, Andrew, you read Book Three, right? Yep. Okay, so if you'll look on the very last page of the story, you have the top scene where where Bucky Cap is laying there with his chest all caved in, and you know the Black Widow is is sitting there next to him, and he's having his big you know moment, his big death moment. You know, this is a serpent. The serpent is here to tell Thor, Cap, everybody, the serpent. You gotta. And up appears Valkyrie, standing right next to him. Right. Yep. Yep. And you know, for a moment, I thought, oh, is she there because you know he, she's you know here to take a hero to Valhalla because you know that's what Valkyries do, right? Right. But no, she's sitting there with her hand over her mouth, just being a hero that uh, that she's uh, mourning. She's mourning the loss of a great man. Right. Where was she the rest of the book? Off panel. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Was she was she in the deep? Uh, well, and you know that's a good question because the deep uh, picks up with what's going on in Atlantis, right? And right. you know, at one point, Namor succumbs to the fear and flees Atlantis because you know you've got Atuma down there with his big ass hammer, and uh, you know he runs off Namor and you know mocks him and whatnot. Your fear is so pungent that it poisons the water. Has it robbed you of your voice as well? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, Namor <laughs> goes running away and he's going out for help. So he contacts Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange is going to get the band back together. We're going to get the Defenders together and rock this place, yo. That is hot. Uh, time out. Time out. Namor, who has an apartment in Utopia, who's part of the X-Men, goes to Doctor Strange for help. Well, and he says because the X-Men have their own thing going on right now. Yeah, that he's part of. God damn it. <laughs> so he goes to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange casts his big ass spell to draw the defenders together. Valkyrie doesn't show up. So, you know, because she was busy not be not helping, you know, Captain America in Fear Itself number three. All I'm saying is that maybe she wouldn't have to stand there with her hand over her mouth mourning the loss of a fallen hero. You know, if maybe she'd done something. That's well, all. you know, I think I think I have an answer to your question about where hmm. she was. If you look at the very first page of the story, uh huh. Look at what Bucky Cap's tell, telling his team. Widow, right flank, Falcon. No, no, left. no, 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 no. Go the very first. Save the people first. Uh-huh. Save everybody. He takes he takes Widow and Falcon in against the guys, and, and the the implication to me is that the rest of the team is getting civilians out of the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. So he's Doctor Strange tries to summon the defenders. Uh-huh. Valkyrie doesn't show up. Uh-huh. Does Hulk show up possessed? 
No, no, Hulk doesn't show up at all. Hulk, who does, who, what do they got so, left? Hellcat and Nighthawk? Uh, actually, <laughs> the only person who shows up is, uh, is one of the She-Hulks. You know, the one, <laughs> one that, of them. yeah, one, one of the She-Hulks. And it's the one that, uh, is Jennifer the, Walters. No, it's the She-Hulk that is the daughter of, uh, uh, the Hulk and, uh, the big that, Amazon that check. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thundra. The Savage She-Hulk. Yes. Yeah. So let me get this right. Like, How like, does that work? Was it was it called forwarding when Bruce Banner's brain was fucked? <laughs> well, Doctor Strange explains it by saying, oh, it must have, you know, because I've adapted the spell, it must have gone to you genetically as opposed to, you know, find that otherwise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so right. like, look, let me get this right. This, this big tie-in with the Defenders. I mean, that's how it was kind of advertised. Uh-huh. The yeah, Defenders yeah. were going to be in the deep. Uh, does not it, indeed feature the defenders. <laughs> what, what one, one defender? Well, you know, Namor and Doctor Strange. I guess Namor was in the defenders, wasn't he? Yes. So two. Wait, Sil- right. Did Silver Surfer, Surfer put it on call waiting? Well, he shows up at the very end. He's on oh, the very he, oh, last page. Oh, he, oh, he's just on Silver Surfer time. <laughs> yeah, it's a long flight back from you know Beta Centauri. That's right. Yeah, well, that sounds um, like a horrible, horrible book, Aaron. Well, and and not only not only was it you know a poorly executed idea, it's also horribly written. <laughs> so you know, no. two great tastes that taste great together. Uh, it this book was awful. The artwork is nothing inspiring. The um, writing, I mean, literally the the oh. The, the, the line of dialogue from Doctor Strange when Savage She-Hulk shows up is, of course, I used an imperfect variation of the incantation. It must have sought you out because of your similar genetic makeup. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, whatevs. <laughs> um, now, now, if you'd have told me Scar showed up, eh, I might have been a little interested. Yeah. But, yeah. No, fail. But, I mean, the, the writing on this is just horrible. Just I mean, none of the none of the characters are voiced right. There's a lot of cliche activity in in the book. It's just it's just not good, and it's a rather, you know, there's not a real reason for this tie-in. You know, it's it's under the guise of we've got to go win back Atlantis, but uh, you know, does anybody really care? No, no, no. So, no fear itself I, the I deep. Thought, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought Sue Storm was down there winning back Atlantis. Or well, she's, she's stopping the she's stopping the other reeds down there. Man, there, it's a Atlantis busy place right now. It it's really fun. is. It really is. It's it's you know it's you might want to hold off on the uh, vacation traveling there right now. I mean, you got the super reeds. You got mole man. You've got a uh, civil war. You've got uh, apparently a tuma. Uh, 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 fear it's itself. Not a tuma. Hammers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice one, Tim. You know the the. The writing is just so very bad. There's this one scene, you know, the, the big fight breaks out at the uh, at the bar that the that the heroes meet up at, and the bartender, you know, looking through the giant hole in the wall, says, "My insurance agent warned me there'd be days like this." Really? Uh, really? Sweet. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's terrible. It's just a terrible book. So yeah, don't recommend it. Don't pick it up. I certainly won't be picking up issue two. Well, well while Aaron, the deep, go ahead, Tim. Well, I was going to say, well, Aaron, you jumped off the deep end. Maybe you should towel off with 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 the the glowing 
uh, lovely pages of Dan Slott because he's not going to let us down in Amazing Spider-Man 663, is he? No. No, he's not. He did not. He did not at all. I guess we all read this one. I think we did. We did, we did all read this one. Man, so, Andrew? This is, I mean, I'm just going to say real short and simple. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Dan Slott's Spider-Man, and it is continues just to be uh, exemplary. It is, it's a fantastic book. If I was going to read one book, this would be the book I'd be reading. Um, I guess I'm going to have a little bit of a slightly different opinion. Damn it, Tim. Uh, why do you have to be so contrary? I know. Shit. What well, is up with not, that? No, no, I like the book. But Are you getting the, enough citrus? Oh, I think this, this might be your scurvy citrus. acting up. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, okay. I, 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 liked, I liked everything that had to do with Peter and the, you know the science journal and i liked eddie brock but between anti-venom and this phantom and mr negative the phrase i'm going to use is too many dicks on the dance floor i think that you know just eddie brock spider-man could have had a three-issue arc i don't understand why they have to muck it up with this phantom wraith wraith person that's what that's what her stupid name is and I think it's all gonna it's all gonna tie in, don't you think? Yeah, but I've been reading Spider Man since like six forty, so, you know, right right when he was fighting the Hobgoblin. So you know, maybe maybe twelve, fifteen books. I I don't know who this this Wraith character is, and apparently it's a big effing deal. It is a big deal. Um, uh, you know, Captain Gene DeWolf was the uh, police captain that died in a in a a seminal. Uh, Spider-Man event years ago and has actually been dead in the, in the series. Now they're showing that the Wraith is this, you know, Captain Jean DeWolf, or is she? There's some doubt in that regard. There, there was an Indian in an episode of an uh, issue of Macy Spider-Man, a Seminole Indian. A, a Seminole Indian, yes. Huh. So. Andrew. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> I think I said how I felt about it. I think Tim said how he felt about it. I think we're waiting to see what you thought about it. I dug it. I thought this was a good book. Uh, one of my favorite elements of the book is that you know Aunt May continues to be you know a, a, the the all important character to Spider Man. You know the person that he always wants to take care of. But I like that she's no longer portrayed as just this you know weak you know victim from you know issue to issue. I like that that you know yeah you know she she is. A uh, a uh, you know valued member of his supporting cast, and he's always going to protect her. But she's strong in her own rights, you know. And you know she makes the comment, you know, well that's how we raised you, Peter. You know that you know her values are his values, and I like that she's a strong character right now. I really appreciate what uh, Dan Slott has done with the Aunt May character. Um, well, sorry, go ahead. One of the things I, there's a couple of things I enjoyed. And one thing I, I didn't enjoy, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed how they took a, a panel for Peter to complain about the, the difficulties of being on the Future Foundation, yes. the Avengers, be a scientist and be a boyfriend and be Spider. I like how they at least they at least brought it up and acknowledged it. Yeah, I'm not sure why he needs the voice commands on his web shooters. I don't know either. <laughs> that, I that's... mean, how lazy is he that he can't press the <laughs> he can't damn hit button? button? Yeah. <laughs> Well, my thought is is actually is that uh, I think because you know the well, the thing he's been using is the barrage. So I think for like regular web sling, I don't think he needs it. But I think he's got like certain patterns of attack programmed into him that instead of having to do some complex you know 
dexterity with his fingers. He can just say it now, and it'll just, you know. Do but whatever. doesn't that, like, warn your enemy, though? Yes. Right shooter, web barrage. Yeah. I know, a web barrage is coming from the right. I'll it gives a, I'll it gives <laughs> it gives all of his enemies spider sense. <laughs> yeah. Which he doesn't have now. Right. Stupid. Um, but one yeah. of the things that I didn't like about this book, as much as I, I'm enjoying it, I, I don't like storylines where a major conflict could be resolved if the two people would stop punching each other and exchange three cordial sentences to each other. Are you talking about between yeah. Anti-Venom and Spider-Man? Yep. Any, I hate the... Any, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I wouldn't expect those two characters to be able to have conversations without beating each other up. It's kind of how they've always worked. Yeah, but it's just like... If you just took a second, because I, I hate it in movies, it happens a lot in romantic comedies. If you just took a minute, said, you know, explained what your issue was and what's going on, that maybe you could move past that. Maybe Eddie Brock could say, hey, Martin Lee is a huge super-powered badass. Come with me and I'll show you. Yeah, but then Spider-Man wouldn't have been like, oh, by all means, go ahead and cure him. I don't think <laughs> he would cure him, but I think he would have come along to see what happened. Yeah, no, I... I, 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 I like anti-venom, and maybe that's because I see a little bit of coyote in anti-venom. <laughs> take care of business. He's and possessed. Then, He's and then dead. Spoiler, and then Ball gets in the way. <sighs> yeah, yeah. But I did oh, really I, like I, the... I uh, Go ahead, Andrew. I did really like the uh, whole science journal thing and, and you know him getting mad props in his civilian life without the Spider-Man identity. I like I like that a lot. Well, and, and I appreciate that you know he was so excited that you know this was all about Peter Parker. It wasn't about my ability to cling to walls or something. It wasn't about my ability to you know swing from a web. It was about me and my big brain. Yeah, that you know? panel was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoyed that panel. I thought yeah. that was very organic, and it's something that honestly he hasn't had. And I and I do enjoy that May fucks with him a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that today, dear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. <clears throat> so well, you, the, there were two backups in here. One was was they the kind? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you, were, were, did I cut you off, Andrew? Yeah. Let, let me grab one thing real quick. Sure. Uh, when we're talking about the science journal, if you look at that panel where he's leaving the money and snatching a copy, yeah. You know, I was just glancing through it. And if you look where it just shows his webbing hitting the cover, I thought he was picking up some porn. <laughs> yes, I can see that. I had to go back and realize, oh, no, there's the, oh, a science journal. That's why there's a naked chick on the front cover. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know, I think that's only a, a, you know, a $1 bill. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, you know, th- there's been a pattern established now. So nobody's going to understand this, but – Eventually, they're going to get the fact that uh, <laughs> Spider-Man and Coyote also have something in common. <laughs> <sighs> but it, I cut you off, Aaron, about the backup features. Let's let's roll yeah. into it. Yeah, there were two backup features in this book. And, you know, continuing the trend that I really don't object to backup features in Amazing Spider-Man because it seems like they do them pretty well. Um, we had a cloak and dagger uh, two-page story, which is tying into the whole infested storyline, um, and it was written by Dan Slott and you know with uh, Rios Rodriguez Delgado and VCs JC, whatever the hell that means. Um, but this one takes takes place in Hell's Kitchen, where you know Cloak and Dagger continue on with their regular fight against drugs, you know, and people who sell drugs and people who you know distribute drugs. 
and other things around drugs. I'm just going to keep saying drugs. Just yeah, say no. You know, just say no, kids. <laughs> you know, it's not a real accurate portrayal of Hell's Kitchen either, because Gordon Ramsay's not calling anybody a cow and throwing. Food <laughs> I was sort of disappointed by that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd y'all think of the infested uh, two pager? You know, well, okay. it's okay. Okay. Continue, continuing the trend of infested. Uh, backup features. I didn't like it, but I haven't really liked any of them too much. I'm very um, mediocre on, on the the Hell's Kitchen stuff, but the only the good thing I'd say about it, maybe Tim will agree with me. It's only two pages. Yeah, it is only two pages, and and Stripe from Gremlins two shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jackal is not drawn particularly well on that page. <laughs> Okay, so moving over to Thanks But No Thanks, written by Todd DiZago with art by Todd Nauk. Uh, what'd you guys think of that one? The two Todds. The two Todds. The battling Todds. Uh, I, I thought this one was a, was a, was a decent story. I didn't, I didn't think it lived up to like Magnetic Man from last issue. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of liked, um, liked the uh, internal dialogue that Peter's like, well, this is one of those days I probably should have just stayed in bed. And why the f do I do this sometimes? And you know, I like the reveal at the end, so I, I thought it was solid. Yeah, and this was this was telling the story of Spider-Man just out there helping the everyday guy, as opposed to you know fighting uh, supervillain bad guys all day long. He's just out there trying to help, and seems to be helping the wrong way all day. He's he's effing it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of liked it. It kind of seems like a nice it, it kind of seems to show that Spider-Man's somewhat grown out of his origins, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. You know, it shows he's kind of moved on to the next level of superheroing. Uh, and I especially love the cops. You know, you see a guy being chased by the cops, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we should catch him." Nope. <laughs> All an elaborate plot by the cops to get this guy to show him where their boss is and he yeah. screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like how the how the cops come. Yeah, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you stick to the super villain types and let us take care of the real bad guys? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a good book. I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man number six sixty-three, and we follow it up with Avengers Academy number fourteen point one. Timmy, Tim, Timmy. Yeah. I, I was sort of annoyed that this was in my pull box. I'm like, oh, it's a point one, damn it! Because <laughs> I haven't been too impressed with the point one issues, but uh, we've had we've had some major problems with them. One of which was that um, it it didn't seem like uh, some of the point ones had the right, uh, you know, the same creative team, so it didn't feel the same. Uh, there, there are one shots that are supposed to give you a a feel for the book, without you know having you worry about having too much continuity. So it always felt like a one shot. So it didn't feel like the you know the the book we've been reading. Right. Um. And uh, I gotta say, this is my book of the week. Yeah, it was uh, a good book. Avengers Academy had none of those problems. It yeah. had it had Christos Gage at the helm. It read exactly like the rest of the run. It was a self-contained book that also gave you a lot of the feel of these of these characters, so well, that you could you could jump into this 
and I feel like run with it. And unlike some of the other point ones where it's like a glimpse of what's happening in the future of the story, this is actually t- talking about the kids where they are right now. You know, this is dealing with their issues right now in the book. So, I mean, this is actually a primer to get you on to the very next episode of this ti- the very next issue of this title. And I felt like I felt like Christus Gage used this time to even sow seeds for later on down the road. Yes. Like, I didn't feel like this was just a throwaway issue. Like, I feel like this is something that's going to come back at some point. Um, you know, the 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 the, the story is, is basically the kids looking at the the road not traveled. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've I. I'm not, I haven't big, been a big fan of finesse. I thought finesse has been a flat, lame kind of, you know. I'm I'm a I'm a Vulcan, but I I have like Taskmaster powers. It was, right. She's never come off as very cool with me. This was the coolest thing I've, I've ever seen her do. Yeah. So I was I was impressed with one of the group that I really didn't like, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I I'm I'm really glad that they decided to throw this one in my pull box. Well, you know, the the setup on this story is that they're going to meet up with one of the other guys that uh, Norman Osborn was messing with. You know, because as we know, the kids in Avengers Academy are in Avengers Academy because Norman Osborn messed with them. They're, you know, highly powered and are really on the edge of being bad guys. And so, you know, we bring them in, we educate them, we teach them how to be heroes. And, you know, they ask the question, well, whatever happened to some of our other classmates that, that Norman Osborn messed with? And one of them has gone off to become a multi-billionaire. So they go and visit him and then go and visit some of the other students, you know. And I just – I loved what this story did. I, 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 I liked getting to see those other characters. I liked the turn it took that I won't spoil because um, I think that's kind of a cool turn that the book makes. I, I really dug it. I thought this was a strong book. I think this actually met the point of that whole uh, point one issue, uh, you know, to, to help folks come in and have a nice starting point with uh, with the with the ongoing title. Um, I dug it. I, I thought it was a good book. I thought it fired on all cylinders. But one thing I'd like to point out to you, Tim, mm-hmm. can you can you can you flip back to um, the letters page at the very end of the book? Oh, here we go. Well, I just I just something I think it's interesting. We're getting two issues of Avengers Academy this month. We also get two issues of Avengers Academy in August. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go the Andrew route of telling me it's tied into Fear itself. <laughs> yeah, I know it's tied to Fear. Itself. No, no, no. I I, I was I wasn't going to do that to you. But I, I'm just I am amazed that we're going to have over a three month period five issues of this book. Well, well if, after reading the letters page, it looks like they're ramping up to this issue issue twenty one, mm-hmm. and so I'm really looking forward to see what happens there. So, awfully good stuff. I'm digging uh, the academy. Yeah, not so looking forward to fear itself though. <laughs> Nothing to fear, well, Tim. Uh, well, hopefully, Christos Gage can keep it on the rails with that piece of crap. We can only hope. Hey, you know, uh, there was an interview with Ron Mars that was put on the feed uh, recently in which he talks about his new, uh, you know, self-owned image comic Shinku Number 1, which there's a lot of detail thrown into that interview about what this book is. But, um, you know, you you boys have had a chance to read it, so let's hear your unadulterated, you know, impression of it without Ron Mars looking over your, your shoulder sternly. 
Ron Mars is always watching. Always. I have Ron Mars in my heart. Well, you've got the eight, you've got the nine foot tall gold statue of Ron Mars next to the pool. <laughs> I, I get that. That's right. That's right. You've got the Ron Mars statue right next to Galactus. That's right. Right. So, what did you think, Aaron? You know, I really dug Shinku. Um, I, I liked it on, on a on a couple of different levels. You know, uh, one of the things I like about it is the atmosphere that is set with the art and the colors. Um, I really like how different modern Japan is depicted versus feudal Japan, not just in, you know, setting and attire, but just in the, the mood of the artwork. You know, you have those nice sepia tones for the uh, for the, those things that occur in feudal Japan. And there really is just a very stark shift in uh, the storytelling there. Um, I love how dark the modern era is. And, you know, I, I'm kind of grooving to, uh, you know, all the sword fighting in modern Japan, you know, and the beheadings. You got to dig the beheadings and the topless women. I'm liking the topless women. Goth chicks, right? You yeah. like the goth chicks. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, I, I do. I like the premise of the story a lot, that this is the last survivor of this uh, feudal Japanese clan of samurai that mm-hmm. fell in battle to the clan of undead Japanese samurai that have gone on to kind of become the shadow government to manipulate things from behind the scenes. I, I find the premise of the book to be very, very interesting. And, mm-hmm. There's a lot of blood and, and as you said, uh, naughty bits in this one, but uh, n- probably not a book I'm going to share with my uh, son. So, really? Yeah, huh. shocker. <laughs> uh, Even, I mean, what, but what about that scene at the end where you've got the big old vampire and he's just got naked people all around him and you know, a bunch of blood mouths and yeah, dead dead naked people, right? If there were if there were living naked people, would that be okay? Would you share that with your son then? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just trying to find out what the threshold is. Okay, so if they if they were dead naked people but weren't bloody, is that okay? No. Huh. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to to, <laughs> to to make you happy about this. You don't know what you're going to have to do to get me into a room full of some sort of people and some sort of undress? That you'll share with your small child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me 12 I'm, years. We'll I'm going to work back. on it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to find a mix that's going to work for you. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the second issue of, uh, of Shinku. And hopefully, unlike Chris Magic, my store won't screw me and not stock it. So Bastards. Yeah. So now I'm waiting for Chris Magic to come out and trade. So. Well, I, I, I dug Shinku. I think, that, uh, I think that he's got something here. And I see that it's a monthly book. Um, and I'm, I'm just very excited about that. And, and are, are you on board for Shinku, too? I am absolutely on board. Well, and I guess Ron Mars, I, I don't know if you guys talked about it in the uh, interview, but he, he has a little more time to work on, on Shinku because isn't he li- leaving Witchblade? Uh, you know, strangely enough, Mr. Mars did not mention that in our interview. I, uh, I guess you have to just say straight up, Ron Mars, when are you leaving Witchblade? I mean, to get him to tell you these things. What the hell, Ron? Well, he, he may not have been able to. He could have told us. It may have been in a tight. contract type issue. We're tight. Uh-huh. He knows anyway. that we'd keep it between ourselves and our millions of listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, he's leaving Witchblade uh, after like 80 issues of working on Witchblade. Both him and Stepan Sayek are leaving Witchblade. Man, I've, I've really enjoyed his run of Witchblade. I have too, and uh, the artwork on Witchblade has just been amazing. So I'm very curious about what Stepan Sayek's going to be doing. Well, and do we know? Do we know who's going to replace Ron as the writer? I don't believe that's been announced yet. 
Those are big, big shoots, big galoshes to fill there. You know, I would hate to have to come in and fill those shoes, to be honest. I mean, he has he has taken a character that I thought was rather two dimensional uh, prior to uh, his writing on the book and really fleshed that character out and, and made her a lot more than just, you know, boobs and a sword. He's made her boots yeah. and an ass and a sword. Just saying. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think you're understating it a little bit. Yeah, I, there's I'm, also there's also thighs. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, that's true. Uh, oh, in, so, in relationships, and in, in family, and plot, and, uh-huh. and all that other stuff. And all that other stuff. No, yeah, I, I, I tease Ron, but uh, I, I, I am fresh back to Witchblade over the last year, and I've really, you know, fortunately, I've got you know lots of stuff to read because I haven't read all eighty of his books yet. But I, I hate to see that he's going to go. I, I do. I mean, it's it's rare that you have that kind of a run on a title these days. And, yeah. You know, it's it's sad to see that come to an end. But you know, I expect that Ron's going to go off and do something else that's awesome. And I just can't wait to see what that's going to be. Shinku, Shinku, Shinku. But you know what else is awesome? Uh, Knights of Rainsboro. That is right, Knights of Rainsboro. We uh, released our last sandboxing episode uh, this past Friday, and coming this Friday, very exciting, is issue 0.5, featuring the zero-issue stories of both Dr. Necropath and Father Dominic. So uh, that's going to that's gonna release this coming Friday. He's a doctor. We're so excited we released it twice. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of an error with the uh, last Friday, missing about thirty minutes of stuff. Uh, fixed though, so you know if if you listen to a Knights of Rainsboro episode that was forty four minutes long, you listen to the wrong file. Go back and get the correct file. Well, it, it's a very important issue to listen to because that's the one where we introduce the character that is going to ruin the game. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, and Doctor Necropath. I mean, he does have a PhD in necropathy. And in, in necropathy, yes. And he didn't go to necropathy school for eight years to be called Mister Necropath. <laughs> <laughs> the University of Phoenix Online Necropathy. <laughs> <sighs> okay, and now, well, and, now he, and now he's buried under crippling loans that he can't pay back. <laughs> That's right. Which yeah, is why he like, has to do the whole necropath thing after after hours, you know. <laughs> Second He's, job. Yeah, second job. He also has a very busy eBay account where he sells a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that pulls <laughs> off the bad guys. He sells their weapons and costumes and whatnot online. Watches, rings. That's right. Yeah, you know, death rays, whatever. Emotions, well, thoughts. This is episode 98 of Funny Books with Aaron and Timmy and Andrew and other people. And uh, we are we are gearing up to the big episode 100, and you can play a part in that. You can call and leave us a message. You can ask us a question. You can give us uh, show topics. That's at nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. And if we use your file on the show, you'll win valuable prizes. Or you can leave comments in the talkback on the uh, the podcast blog article and give us your ideas there. And again, if we use your ideas, if we use your question. You could win valuable prizes, like Fear Itself the Deep number one. (laughs) (laughs) Hot. Uh, And if you're even lucky, kids, we might be able to round up the two jackholes and earn here. That's right. And you know what? I think think we're also giving a Flashpoint uh, 
Secret 7-1, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a two-for-pack. You can get the deep (laughs) Secret 7 number one. (laughs) Spin the wheel. Oh, you got the disappointment. All right. There you go. All right, guys. Y'all have a great week. And and Tim, I don't want to put a lot of pressure on you. You don't have to make it a great week. Okay. You just make it a week. I think I can handle that. Okay. But Andrew... I yeah. expect you to make it a great week. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Anytime. Thanks, Bye, everybody. See you next week. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.